0: Welcome back, everyone, to the Reset Salon podcast. This is Ed McGuire. I'm here with Julie Albright and Brian Hayashi. And in our conversations, we look to explore many of the dimensions around our unique experience living through this, uh, this we'll call it unprecedented time. I hate to overuse a, a cliche, but it, it, it is always apt. Um, but this week we're going to be discussing the theme of resilience and mindset and with us we have we have two guests we, we have margarita Kashishian who's the executive director and administrator of a nursing facility in California so she's been right at the front lines during the really the, the toughest part of the pandemic and has really you know shes if there's anybody that's you know that can be you know, described as truly front, you know, holding down the front line of, of society. It's 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 Margarita, and and she's been terrific. We've we've had her in a couple of a couple of our private conversations, and uh, our other guest is Sean Webb, who is an author of a. Uh, he's he's an author. He has a podcast, and he's um, uh, he's he's written a couple of books about mindset and mind. Body and Happiness. and I, uh, But he's also the author of a textbook on how emotions work in humans and computers. Um, but as always, we love to kick off our conversations with Julie, setting the tone and, and uh, sharing some thoughts on, on our
1: theme. Thank you so much, Ed. We're going through a rough time here, this COVID moment, pandemic. It's more than a personal struggle. It's been likened to other times, other struggles we've gone through together, moments like World War II or 9-11, moments where we've all been in it together. People view these as the bad times and they are. The US is about to reach a half million dead. I've lost friends, several of my friends have lost parents or grandparents, friends and loved ones. As I've said before, I don't think I've said I'm sorry as many times as I've said it this past year. Yet much like World War II where they too lost loved ones, for those of us that survive it, there can be some long lasting positive outcomes like stronger bonds with our friends and families, a clearer sense of our own values and the development within ourselves of one very important quality for survival and success in life, resilience. The word resilience is defined as the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties or toughness. It also refers to something elastic as in the ability of a substance or object to spring back into shape, elasticity. I know that when I think of resiliency, I think of it as bounce back ability like that little red rubber ball you might've played with as a child. You bounce it off a wall and it comes springing back to you right back from whence it sprang. It's a kind of homeostasis, catching it midair, clutching it in your hand. That little red ball comes back to where it started, ready for you to send it flying on its next journey again. When I think of resilience, I think of it like that, like the person, who bounced back from adversity, returning to normal after a bout with cancer, or the person who returned to the land of the living after grief and loss of a loved one, perhaps, or like my grandmother, she ended up traveling the world well into her 80s and 90s after her husband died. She even once toured Hong Kong and China and Thailand with a broken foot in her 80s. Now that's resilience. Resilience is that person who lost their job, a job they thought of as their career, but later found a new one and a new path in life. Recently, I had a small bout with adversity on my own. Due to the relentless nightly explosions and the loud protests and even nights of looting and general mayhem happening nightly below my downtown LA apartment, I left town seeking refuge, peace, and a few nights of uninterrupted sleep in the foothills of the Sierra Nevadas, up by Yosemite. A kindly friend lent me his cabin, and I must admit, I found the utter silence out there, alone amongst the trees, a little bit unsettling at first. But after a few days, I began to settle into the sounds and pacing of nature, enjoying the unexpected sight of a deer grazing nearby with her fawns, or the rows of Canadian geese pecking along the lake shore, a stop on their long journey southward. Perhaps it was climate change, but it was unseasonably hot up there. Days got into the hundreds, perhaps cracking 110 or more at times. After a few days, I packed up my car to head home, a long journey with the dogs through hundreds plus acre cattle ranches and windy mountain roads. Like most urbanites, I rely upon my trusty cell phone to navigate, and today was no different. I stopped a few times along the road to photograph curious cows standing under shade trees, or the red prairie raptors in open fields surrounded by big golden bales of hay. Smiling and listening to music, my drive seemed like an idyllic country sojourn, but it quickly turned nightmarish as the engine overheat light came on and the engine suddenly shut off. I glided to the side of the road, suddenly realized I was stranded with the closest friends or family seven hours away, the temperature quickly reaching 110, 115 degrees or more inside the car and me with two small poodles, not enough water and no way to shield us from the sun. I was miles away from town uh, in the middle of nowhere. And truth be told, I had placed all my trust in ways. I didn't know where I was. I called AAA and they told me I couldn't ride with the tow truck driver because of COVID and that he would be there in two hours. I texted a friend And he called me in alarm as visions of serial killers danced in my head as I sat there, a single woman broken down on the side of the road with all manner of trucks and RVs driving by. I tried to hunker down and be invisible, but still. My friend called me alarmed and I was telling him what happened and I broke down sobbing as the combination of the heat and the despair of having no way out came crushing down on me. I'm usually in control of my life and there was no way to help myself there. All roads seemed dead ends and the heat was fogging my ability to think. Panic was starting to set in. I texted him a pin to mark my location because my phone was also dying. I had no way to charge it with the car dead and no backup batteries. I clearly wasn't prepared for this worst case scenario. My friend set about trying to help he called the local sheriff who told him i was in highway patrol territory long story short after two hours in the grueling heat highway patrolman officer lopez rolled up in his big black suv summoned by my friend and with a laugh seeing the city girl broken down in her mercedes in the middle of the cow pastures he said did you set your ways to shortest route? I did. He knew immediately my technology had betrayed me. Clay, the kindly tow truck driver, arrived at almost the same time. He'd stopped to buy me a big bottle of cold water, which he gave to me right away. The patrolman told me to sit in his big SUV with the air conditioning blasting. I scooped up the dogs and red faced and overheated sat in the passenger side, drinking water, trying to calm down, my two dogs panting at my feet on the floor. The tow truck driver and patrolman surveyed the damage. A belt had shredded, taking the fan with it. I wasn't going anywhere for days. Officer Lopez called a local hotel in the historic Gold Rush town of Jamestown, booked me a room and drove me there. He stayed with me until I was safely checked in and even helped carry my bags to the room. Small gestures of kindness that, to me, marked him as a hero. You like spicy food, he asked me after we'd arrived to my room with a hopeful look. Yeah, sure, I said, racking my brain for spicy Thai, Mexican. There's a place down the street that has burgers with fried jalapenos. It's probably your best bet. And there's alcohol he added with a twinkle in his eye and a nod. I laughed, good idea, I said, and we both laughed. It had been that kind of day. I thanked him profusely and he looked proud to be appreciated. This unexpected journey, similar to our COVID moment, set me on a different path than I had expected. After cooling off a while, I took the dogs for a walk through California history. We ended up in a little mining town, part of the American dream from the 1800s I'd never seen before. One little red house there had a placard out front. It had been owned by a freed slave. I never even knew these places existed. The next day I piled this all into a little rental car I'd gotten. A Mercedes and Subaru country meant that the parts wouldn't be in for days. So we set out and discovered Columbia an actual national park complete with a horse-drawn wagon and cosplayers in period 1,800 costumes strolling down the promenade. It's as if we'd stepped back in time. Hello, one man said to me with a warm grin as he and his parasoled wife strolled by. I kept driving. I had no plans, no agenda, no schedule. It was suddenly freeing. I'd always actually dreamed of this sort of thing, getting in the car with no agenda, nowhere to go, and just driving to see America. Not the Manhattan or the Aspen or Santa Fe or Austin or other places I see, but the back roads and the farm towns of Iowa and the big sky country of Wyoming and some of our national parks along the way. And here we were. I stopped at random markers on the road where I read about the first ferry in the area and other monumental people and events. This place was so far away from my hometown, I might as well have been on Mars. Everything was new, mysterious and intriguing. The freedom of nowhere to go and no one I had to be was total freedom. After the grinding schedule of last year and my 50-plus stop book tour, I breathed in the free air and exhaled. We were on an adventure. Driving along, I saw one of those historic marker signs on the side of the road that you see that said, Mark Twain's Cabin. Mark Twain? My mind almost couldn't process the disparity between the Mark Twain I thought I knew and this this not godforsaken but almost land I was traversing. I didn't see any turnout for this monumental place I was looking for. After all, Mark Twain. I imagined some southern-style two-story house with a veranda and a rocking chair and maybe painted cheery yellow and white with lace trim in the Victorian style popular during his time. I drove on, Another sign. Entering Calaveras County. Wait, Calaveras County? Beneath the cobwebs of my memory, I remembered a Calaveras County and a jumping frog. Somehow I imagined it in the bayous of Louisiana or something. Was this just a coincidence? Landing in the town, the sidewalk named the Frog Hop of Fame was covered with brass plaques commemorating Big Six, Hooligan, Rosie the Ribbiter, and others. This was the Calaveras County of celebrated jumping frog fame. On our way back, I saw the Mark Twain sign again. And once again, seeing nothing special, I drove right by it. Only this time, I turned around, and I drove up a small, steep, single-lane road, which I soon reached the end of, and landing smack in the middle of someone's front yard. Well, that's not it, I said to myself while frowning at the private property sign, no doubt meant to detour out of town strangers like me. I backed out of the yard and I just sat there. Where the heck was this place? And I did what we do, I Googled. I looked on the map at the picture and I saw not the lovely Victorian I was searching for, a tiny red log cabin surrounded by stickly trees i looked over to my right and there it was i was sitting right next to it on jackass hill i got out and walked around the entire cabin was reminiscent of thoreau's walden there was nothing fabulous about it certainly not the stately manor house i was imagining what was the deal here doing some research though i found out that mark twain had suffered his own kind of setback and adversity. At 29, he was a no-name journalist, fleeing the Civil War raging in the South. He was deeply in debt, going from newspaper to newspaper. He'd just been fired from his latest job at the San Francisco Chronicle, or what would become the San Francisco Chronicle. In a letter to his brother, Orion, Twain wrote, you are in trouble and in debt. So am I. If I do not get out of debt in three months, pistols or poison for one exit me. With no job, no income, in debt, and apparently suicidal, Twain wrote to a friend with a little mining for gold venture near Angels Camp, California, right by where me and the dogs landed. And Twain went on to stay in this cabin, hoping to mine his way out of debt and disaster, noshing on beans and dishwater for 88 days on Jackass Hill and goofing around with his pal, talking like people 80 years old and toothless. The time at the cabin, it it was what he called a sylvan paradise. And it turned out to be the key to his future fame fortune and acclaim because just up the road at a little local bar in calaveras county twain heard the story of smiley and the jumping frog the short story that would become his breakthrough piece he later wrote to the owner of the little cabin about this time he said it makes my heart ache to call to mind some of those days Still it shouldn't for right in the depths of their poverty and their pocket hunting vagabondage lay the germ of my coming good fortune. You remember the one glean of jollity that shot across our dismal sojourn in the rain and mud of angels camp. I mean that day we sat around the tavern stove and heard that chap tell us about the frog and how they filled him with shot. And you remember how we quoted from the yarn and laughed over it out there on the hillside where you and stoker panned and washed i jotted down the story in my notebook that day and i would have been glad to get 10 or 15 dollars for it i was just that blind i published the story and it became widely known in america india china england and the reputation it made for me has paid thousands and thousands of dollars since. Samuel Clements, AKA Mark Twain, January 20th, 1870. For some of us here now, some 150 years later, COVID may be our very own Calaveras County moment, broke, jobless, some verging on despair, we may perhaps find that germ of coming good fortune in these times through creative evolution. Thus, our theme for tonight's Reset Salon podcast, resiliency and mindset. Let's explore our own coming good fortune and how we're managing not to return to a point of stasis or sameness that like that little red ball flying back to where it began, but rather toward perhaps creating something new through a mindset of curiosity, exploration and adventure on the verge of new fortune and perhaps unexpected outcomes. I'm looking forward to the discussion. We're super glad you're here and I'm throwing it over to Brian. Hey,
2: thanks, Julie. I love hearing about the Calaveras County moment because in, in an era like this, we are all in new and unfamiliar territory. And if it were not for the kindness of three people, what could have easily have been and remained that, that kind of helpless, lost, scary moment, instead became a, a moment of discovery, of reconnection. and I And I feel like, that all if it, if it wasn't for those three people, where, where, where would you have been today? And and I think that we have been, been spoiled because with the advent of the internet, I think all of us have gotten used to the existence of easy answers being available at the, the touch of a keyboard. Don't have a don't don't have the answer for something. You you send out a search query. And we have all these other services that were built on top of having that type of information available to us. So instead of just answers, got a problem, then Uber out of there. Or if you're, if you're hungry, then, then Instacart. And what's happened with, with COVID is that we are now in a situation where a lot of the institutions that we thought we could count on circa January 2020 uh, have all fallen by the wayside. So if you've got no income, no job, no prospects, we can't just do what Samuel Clemens did back then. We need to find our own kind of, kind of sources. And for, for people that are not used to doing things on an impromptu basis, this is getting pretty hard, pretty dicey into very unknown territory. I'm reminded that in my family, the oldest people are the ones that have been of service to other people the ones that have lived their life doing things for other people as opposed to doing things for themselves. And so my thinking here is how can we, do, how can we be a better, instead of thinking about our serv- ourselves and how we're stuck in the moment, could it possibly be that by being of service to other people, to finding ways of being like that roadside assistance person, the police officer, the people that, that gave you that water, that gave you that helpful advice at the time that you needed it most, that they made such, that huge, such a huge difference that instead of having feeling like the whole world was happening to you, that things were happening for you. And that change in perspective made everything happen. So I'm really looking forward to hearing from Margarita what, what she's been doing on the front lines and hearing from Sean, because I have a feeling that his experience in how we can kind of shape emotions might have, might yield some useful clues. So I will shut up and and move it back over to Ed. Thanks, Brian. And uh,
0: thank you, Julie. So next, we'd like to turn it to uh, Margarita. And Margarita's had some, I think, very powerful experiences in the last 10 months, uh, you know, as the uh, executive director of a nursing home. I mean, if you can think about, you know, grand ground zero of a of a of a national crisis, uh, you know, being running a nursing home is is certainly, you know, one one of the places you'd think about. It. And of course, the state of California, uh, where there's been no shortage of uh, of excitement, as it were. Um, Margarita, we, we're so pleased to have you, and would would love to hear. You know, get your thoughts on resilience and share share with us, and and also the our listeners, just a bit of context of, of you know what you've been going through, what you've learned, and and how what some of the lessons you've uh, you've been able to take away from your experience have been.
3: All right. Well, um, first of all, I want to say thank you all so much for inviting me to the salon. What an incredible opportunity to chat with so many interesting people. So. I'm really thankful for the opportunity, you know, I've I've said this before in our conversations that when March 16th came and the entire city locked down. Since then we've gone through so many different experiences so many different it was a roller coaster of emotions for our staff and our residents and our family members and. It's interesting because now that the vaccination process is you know, happening and we're all getting vaccinated, we start to forget some of that because I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and it almost seems surreal that we've gone through so much in the last 10, 11 months. But when March 16th came and everybody got to shelter in place and we needed to go to work, um, an interesting thing happened. And I have little kids, so I always talk about choices, right? So March 16th, we all had a choice. Um, my staff, my coworkers, we had a choice. We quit, we shelter, we hide, or we put on our uniforms and we go to work. And so it's, we've made the choice to go to work, right? And I think the main reason why we made the choice that we made is the commitment that we've had to the residents, and to each other and to the organization. And it's interesting because one of the things that has happened is I made that choice on March 16th, but the really neat thing is every single employee in our organization has made that choice. Um, And every single employee has continued to make that choice every single day throughout this entire pandemic. And oddly enough, it's built this, I knew we had a family here. I knew we were really close. I know we take care of people and we do everything we possibly can for our employees. And when I first started here seven years ago, I always said that, oh, the residents come first. You know, they're the priority. They're the reason why we're here. And then the staff comes second. And after a couple of years of doing this nursing home administration, I turned to my staff and I said, you know what? You guys come first and the residents come second. Because if you are not here, there's nobody to take care of these elderly people. So as this pandemic happened, and as we stuck by our commitment of um, taking care of the elders that were entrusted to us, I think, I really, really think, and this is truly what I've seen from every single person here, it's the commitment to each other, to not let each other down, that has kept us and it has kept us together and it has kept us stronger than ever, despite anything that has happened to us. So we've had a lot of residents, we've had a lot, let's start with this. We've had a lot of staff get COVID. Obviously the staff bring it into the building and then unfortunately more staff, you know, residents sometimes get infected. And then once it's in the building, once the devil is in, then it's really, really until it kind of burns through a nursing station, unfortunately, um, and infects a lot of residents and infects a lot of other staff, it doesn't stop, you know. And um, I know people, there's so much research and so many articles and they say, oh, it's droplet. It's not droplet, you know, it's airborne. And we've seen it because even staff who are so protected and so careful have gotten it. But despite that, we have still chosen to you know, to, to show up. Um, Now, it's kind of interesting because initially we had this, uh, this team, like this feeling, especially in the beginning of this pandemic, it was kind of us versus them. And it's really funny because we've had all of our infection control precautions. We've had masks way before anybody was wearing masks and even the department of health initially said margarita why would you do that to the staff why would you make them wear masks in the facility is going to scare the residents right and then margarita why would you shut the facility down and not allow visitation um, when you know the residents need to see their loved ones like why would you do all of these things and we said you know we think that it's going to keep our people safe and for a really really long time it did so when we stopped the visitation, when we started wearing the masks, the team had a really funny attitude of we're safe because we know infection control and we're together in this and this building was like a little haven for all of us. And then everything outside was just a mess, especially March, April, other facilities are having outbreaks and we were so fortunate to go through it and you know, not to have a single case all the way until June. Um, And even in June, given the size of our facility, given the size of our staff, you know, we have 254 residents, 320, 330 staff. I mean, that's a lot of foot traffic. So all things considered, we, um, you know, we've done really well through this pandemic and it's because of the, you know, because of the commitment and because of the effort that every single person has made to not show up to work if they don't feel well, to to not come in if They've been exposed outside somehow, you know. Especially right now, when one in five or even one in three people is testing positive for COVID in LA County, I mean, everybody's getting exposed, right? So, do you get exposed and do you know, the facility? Do you get exposed and just act like nothing happened and keep doing what you're doing? And so, I've been very proud of the people, of every single person here, because you know they call 24/7 <laughs> pretty much, but they're honest and they're truthful and they're forthcoming and they just want to make sure that they're keeping this place safe. So I think now that we're kind of, I mean, I feel like we're at the end, at least internally we're towards the end of this peak for us because our numbers have significantly gone down. Um, We hardly have any cases in the facility. And in fact, we're now helping the surrounding hospitals and we're admitting COVID patients because... We have good systems, we have a special unit for it, and we're trying to decompress the acute care system so that, you know, when somebody outside needs a hospital bed, they can get a hospital bed and we'll take care of the COVID patients here. But um, I think the one thing that really helped us get through this is just being grateful, you know? And gratitude has been such a big part of our journey because anytime, like, people are just thankful to be able to have a job you know, and to have a job that's consistent and to have a job where even though our population numbers are down, our census is way down, we haven't cut any days because we're committed to our staff. And so we've taken care of people and we've increased salaries and we've helped people who financially needed help with certain situations. We've fundraised money for you know, our fallen team members, we've had two uh, two employees who passed away from COVID, unfortunately. But we've done it all together. And we've been so grateful. Anytime anybody gets COVID, and then they come back, we all welcome them back. And we're like, Oh, thank God, you made it right. Thank God your family is okay. Thank God you, you know, you're out of the hospital, and you're back to work. Thank God you're still with us. And it's, it's that kind of an attitude. And it's been that kind of an environment. So it's interesting because I think outside with all the media, the bad media, the mean media that's horrifying, the nursing homes and the residents that are in lockdown and you know the nurses that complain about shortage of PPE, especially initially in acute hospitals, everybody's just, it seemed like inside these walls, we should be miserable, but it's more and more every single day we're finding opportunities to laugh you know, and to figure out how to be together, even when we're like 10 feet apart now, you know, during lunch times and things like that, we figured it out. And I think that's, I think that's resilience. You know, we didn't bounce back to normal and we didn't bounce back to the past, but day by day, my God, we're bouncing back and we're having a better time than we've ever had before because we're closer. And because we've overcome, we have this history together now. You know, in the past, things happen here and there. But I mean, we've gone through so much together now that you know we say we're um, like bulletproof. You know, especially those those of us who have had COVID, <laughs> we're like, you know, let me rip off my mask and work through the co- walk through the COVID unit. Um, but we joke, of course. But it's been it's been really warm and joyful and and happy and anytime we have a resident move out of the red unit you know back into the green we're excited and we celebrate with them and even certain government entities in the past that we haven't had the closest of relationships with are now coming in and so much so much more sympathy and so much understanding of everything that we deal with that i mean i hate to say it but i feel like COVID has gotten us in such a better place than we've ever been before and we never would have gotten here without it.
0: Well, that's amazing, uh, Margarita. Because I think one of the the themes that that comes up in your comments is is the uh, the sense of community and and this and the the importance of having a support systems around you, of having people who are, you know, who are sharing the you know the, the challenges together and and really collectively together, you know, looking for um, looking for ways to to survive and, and finding finding happiness and finding brightness and humor and laughter and these friendships that, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a gander and guess that these friendships are gonna are going to last for decades. And it's gonna be, you know, there's gonna be like nothing like kind of nothing like it, but that's pretty incredible. Well, so next, you know, let's, let's turn it over to, to Sean Webb. And he's the author of Mind Hacking Happiness and an expert in, in techniques. And I think you know, in light of Margarita's uh, experience where she was going through this, these challenges in a, in a group, not everybody has that opportunity. And in fact, one of the most challenging dimensions of this crisis is that for most people who aren't on the front lines, you know they are going through the the health challenges, the the isolation challenges, um, with a with a very uh, limited support system of people in person. I mean, it might be their families, there might be some friends, some person to person interaction. But you know, if you're somebody who likes to go out to you know go out to large groups and and. Uh, you know, and get, you know, and, and soak up the energy you know, at a you know, a sporting event or, or entertainment or, you know, or, or the arts uh, or even going to, you know, go into going to a classroom. It's been it's been pretty hard. So I would love to get Sean, love to get your thoughts and some of your context of, of, of the work that you've done. To you know, to understand what you can do, and certainly if you're if you're hacking your mind to get to that place where I think Margarita has demonstrated that it is possible to uh, uh, be ebullient and
4: cheerful and resilient. Um, Would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on. I love uh, hanging around with you guys, whether we're recording it or not, and. Uh, yeah, Margarita, you're a saint, and uh, thank you for everything that you do, and I applaud you for making the moves early on safety precautions and shutting the facility down and putting on masks early, et cetera, and that your record stands for itself. Um, we kind of had the same thing going on. We pulled our son from school a little early uh, just to make sure, but then, you know, like a week later, they went into full shutdown, so we weren't that early. Um And Julie, those opening words written, I hope, are going into your next book, because that was beautiful and uh, an amazing story. And thanks for sharing that. It was really cool. You know, my perspective from this, uh, coming into this conversation about resilience and mindset, you know, there are a lot of people who are suffering. suffering. I think the last headline that I saw was three out of four people are in some type of semi-crisis because of 2020 and the effects that COVID has had and the entire, you know, all the other stuff that's been going on to exacerbate uh, the fact that we can't go out and live life in a normal fashion compared to what we have been doing. And so I was really glad to hear Margarita talk about their team's commitment not to let each other down. You know, you guys may or may not know I work with some Navy SEALs and uh, retired Navy SEALs on, PTSD and TBI and and some of the other issues that these guys are coming home with. And there is such a strong effect that the knowledge that somebody else has your back can have on your emotional and even physical well-being. um, That's an important thing to have. And so it's, it's great that you guys were able to use that teamwork mentality and support each other because a lot of people out there aren't getting that type of support. And a lot of people are out there are in a situation where they may be in groups, but aren't using uh, a support mechanism of the group itself to help their physical and mental well-being. So good on you there. And I think the other amazing thing that you mentioned was that you try to remain grateful about things. And, you know, one of the things that I like to use is a, a simple tool to explain to people how their subconscious emotions work is that you have an expectation or preference about something that you care about that's connected with your sense of self and then on the other side of that your nervous system measures your perception and an appraisal of what's going on around you coming in through your senses and it measures that as good or bad and then it measures it versus the things that you care about and then if it's a balanced uh, equation of emotion where your expectation or preference is meeting your perception then you have a positive emotional reaction associated with that but then if you're Perception is lower than your expectation or preference about anything on your self-map. You have a negative emotion, and those can go on unbalanced for hours, days, months, years. And at any point that you have an imbalance in your nervous system regarding an equation of emotion processing, that causes stress. And stress is a bad thing for the body, et cetera, and can... um, you know, increase your ability to pick up viruses and have horrible effects and whatnot associated with those things. And so when you shift into that grateful presence, the cool thing about your mind is that your interior cingulate cortex can only focus on one thing at a time. Like when you're, when you're looking at the vase or the two faces, that famous uh, picture in psychology that you learn in psychology 101, you cannot focus on both of those things at once. They've measured it in the brain that you can switch back and forth Really, really quickly to where you think you're, you're focusing on both things, but you can only really focus on one thing at once. And that's a, a function of your anterior cingulate cortex. And when your per- perception is one of a positive nature, then that's going to create uh, a balance in your equation of emotion. It's going to create a positive effect in your subconscious awareness. And so anytime that you can use that gratefulness tool, and I'm talking to everybody out there because this will work for everybody in every situation, right? Um, Anytime you can use that gratefulness tool to put that perception in your mind, that's going to meet with your expectation or preference. Wow, I have great things. Wow, I have great colleagues. Wow, I don't have COVID today. Wow, I was I have food for my kids today. Wow. Uh, you know, whatever it is, I'm grateful for the fact that my, my family is alive and well and, and healthy. I'm grateful for the fact that I have enough money to make the mortgage this month. I'm grateful for the fact that my I didn't have four flat tires when I walked out of the door this morning, whatever it is, right? You pick the smallest thing And if you're putting your perception there, that's going to match your expectation and a preference. Wow, I really like the fact that I didn't have four flat tires when I walked out this morning, right? And so that's going to give you a little bit of a positive feeling. And when you do that stuff, that stuff starts to build up. And over time, you can build a plasticity in your brain that then kind of slants you to a more positive effect than a more negative one. Because if you're always focused on just the problems, not that you don't want to you know, totally ignore your problems, right? But if you're always worried about things that maybe don't even exist yet, right? Like, oh my God, I can't believe COVID still exists and I may get it. Right. You don't want to be in that mindset. You want to be in a, a more positive mindset because what you feed your brain, your brain will give you more of over time when it starts to, because you know, your your brain is this organ of survival and it's supposed to help you do what you want to do. And so it starts to change in form and function over time to automatically process the things that you want to do more often and what you're doing when you're um, letting your attention be shifted positive or negative or not taking control of your attention and shifting it towards the positive is that you're letting that negative build up and and you're saying "Mm, negativity 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 and then your brain goes oh okay i can i can create more of that if you want and then it starts to do it for you. And so, on the other side, it does become a very important discipline for you to mind what's going on in your perception to say, let's put some positive in there too. Let's put some good things that are going on. Let's have little celebrations about the fact that, you know, uh, we didn't go over budget or whatever, the smallest little things, right? And you make them bigger, uh, that can offset some of the negativity that's going on with uh, the negative effects of COVID, et cetera. But yeah, I mean, it's, 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 Uh, amazing that you know you see how many people are in this spot to not have people around them to support them and even with folks like if you're not a a isolationist you're not living alone or whatever uh, you're living in a house with uh, two other people that you've seen for the last year nonstop. you know sometimes things can get stale things can get stagnant in your own uh, existence. And and that can play a negative effect on um, your existence. And a lot of people are facing that nowadays. And so it's like, wow, you know, how do we, how do we help these folks get over this stuff? Because resilience, um, the definition of resilience at the beginning of this uh, podcast was great. I use it a little differently. My definition is of resilience is the ability to recover from adversity and move forward. Because I think one of the things that uh, we miss is when we're talking about um, the ability to recover, it's not like that red ball where you you're just right back to that same spot of origination. And then hitting it again, you want to be able to shift out of the negativity, and then go on to what's next, right? Don't just get rid of the the negative effects that you're having in life or in the situation to where you can get back to where you were, you want to be able to handle the negativity, handle the situation as it exists, handle the things that are causing turmoil and trauma in your life, and then move beyond that stuff, like leave it behind to where that thing never bugs you again. And uh, so I, I definitely uh, am appreciative of, you know, the, the job that we have to do as helpers in general i think everybody on this call is pretty much a helper and i i'm i'm in a position now where i'm like hmm gosh there's so much to do and so many people to help i'm almost in like uh analysis paralysis so to speak where do i start where do i like you know i I try to get out and make little videos on tiktok and whatnot and uh and uh, picked up a bunch of followers it seems that uh Uh, the TikTok folks have beat themselves into a a plasticity submission that they can only handle things 60 seconds at a time. And that throws their brain into a high state of stress. And so when you throw out mind hacking tips, people have glommed onto them, but it's like, I don't even know what to say to people at this point or where to start or what group to target. Or, you know, it's like (laughs) there, there are people in my own family that, you know, are calling me for like internal counseling and I'm barely able to keep up with that kind of stuff. And it's like, I love these little groups to have these discussions to say, you know, how do we, how do we help people move forward? And how do we handle all our own stressors in between, by the way, because there are those times that we go up and down and, you know, life's all that uh, roller coaster thing. Um, So that's kind of where I'm at in that there are tools that you can use to Improve your existence and and deal with the negativity or the struggle or the challenges that you're having, and then. But how do we how do we implement those or how do we get those tools out to the folks in a way that is because here's the other side of that coin, um, to discuss resilience and to talk to somebody about resilience. How do you talk about recovering from not having a job for seven, eight, nine months and not having the income to pay a rent or a mortgage that is woefully past due at this point, that is just staring you in the face every day. And there's this moratorium on evictions and whatnot. It's like, you know, some, you know, I'm in this analysis paralysis thing. It's like, how do I, how do I assist those folks with uh with this kind of of situation that they'll they, they'll be dealing with that is of a real physical nature like I can't go in there and just say oh well you know here's a little mind trick that'll help you not worry about your mortgage and then you know still have the problem of not dealing with the mortgage right so uh so yeah that's kind of where I that's kind of where I'm I'm losing steam a little bit on uh on this whole thing it we're you know, I need a little bit of resilience, I guess, <laughs> to recover from not knowing what to do, not knowing where to start and how to get going again on, you know, moving forward. Brian, you had a, a, a comment?
2: Yeah, I, I was really, uh, uh, I really empathize with Sean with uh, what you said about the anal- uh paralysis by analysis. It, it, you, you've got your own stuff, but there's so many things that you just don't know. And, and it, it, ma- it makes it harder to, to think, and, and it almost feels like you're in jello. I, I, I received a really nice phone call from a friend the other day. This friend had been working as, a, uh, as one of the uh, uh, callers in the swing Democratic states, uh, just routinely calling around and, uh, you know, and, and checking in with voters. And the idea wasn't so much to say, hey, go vote for my person. But the idea was, was just by checking in, being a human and just, just empathizing with them that, that, um, that he could learn a little bit more about what was going on in their lives. And the, the script almost wrote itself. And he said, one of the things that he learned from that exercise, and he's a very smart guy and and I think very empathetic, but, but one of the things that he said was, was that it, through that process, he realized that there were ways of taking what he had learned from the campaign trail and applying it to just everyday life. So when he does, when he said, when you don't, when I don't hear from people for a long period of time, when I don't see them on Facebook, when I don't hear from them, I've, I'm thinking that I may wanna just reach out to them and see how they're doing, to just call up and say, hey, you know, haven't, haven't heard from you well. Not, you know, no agenda. Just just call up and, and, and say hello. And I think this is, this is maybe where the analysis by paralysis can, can you know, can, can move forward. The idea that maybe someone else has got a script and that this script is, you don't have to change the world. You don't have to solve someone else's problem. But if we can get a little reminder from time to time, let's reach out to someone that you maybe haven't talked to in a while. What can you do just to say hi? and listen.
0: That's a good point, Brian, because I think that ties back to, uh, you know, Margarita's, uh, experience that having, you know, connections and just, you know, that, that can, that doesn't have to be a deep friendship, right. But just, you know, just that human connection of being able to listen to, you know, to somebody's situation. I mean, you know, if, when you're, nobody knows the burdens that others bear, right. I mean, that's, that's, the kind of the principle of empathy is that you don't know what battles others are fighting right and but when you can get people to talk, or you just ask them, you know, and they can unburden themselves and share, a lot of times that in its that act, it's in itself is you know can be therapeutic. And one of the things also that came to mind too is it's it's kind of adjacent to resilience, but the you know the concept of anti fragility and uh, Nassim Taleb's concept, where that even if you have daily stresses, if you if you view those challenges and view those stresses, you know, as, you know, something that whatever doesn't kill me makes me stronger in a way that's, there's more than a grain of truth in that, that having that attitude of, of being grateful, at least for, you know, for the good things, even when you're going through difficult challenges. We had a couple of, of conversations where we were uh, exploring the, you know, the relative merits of of kind of happiness versus versus meaning, and and uh, and starting with positive happiness. And I think, you know, I, I think Margarita's, you know, comments kind of come back to, you know, again this the concept of of positive psychology, where you, you know, start helping others by, you know, if if the airplane. Is, if the oxygen masks come down, you know, make sure that you put your oxygen mask on first so that you can help others, you know, and that's a, that's a very, that's very important, you know, very important. So um, I think we've almost reached the, the end of our, uh, uh, our allotted time here, but I'd love to just uh, actually just turn it over to just Margarita and Sean, if, if, if you have any, you know, passing closing comments or or thoughts that um, that you'd like to share, you know, we've, so value your your comments and insights.
3: I think um, my closing remark would be that, you know, we face so many difficult situations and so many uncertain situations throughout this pandemic, that, you know, it really does come down to choice. And sometimes the choice needs to be to be courageous, and to swallow down the hesitance and the fear and the uncertainty and just kind of Go into the situation and then make the best of it. And that's what we've done. and that's, you know, in the end, I feel like that's what's kind of helped us come out as I don't want to say heroes, but not not be the victim of our circumstances. So I hope that this podcast and uh, you know, the wisdom that everybody has shared kind of helps people wake up every morning and make the choice, make the choice to be grateful, like Sean said. and then, makes a choice to have a little bit of courage and handle whatever extremely difficult situation they may be dealing with, because there has been a lot of that, but, um, you
0: know, there going be more, but with an attitude, you know, with that approach, you know, we, there, there are, are also some amazing times ahead. So, and that, of course, looking forward and, and, you know, having folks like you that have been uh, sharing these, these insights, it's been amazing. And, and Sean would love to, get kind of get your
4: final impressions. Yeah. You know, I would just back up what Margarita has said. I mean, if you want a really simple tool to be able to start to pull yourself up out of a, a nosedive or pull yourself up, up out of a ditch uh, that you've experienced or that you've been in that you may not even realize you've been in uh, is to manage your perceptions and to look for the positive more often than the stuff that's going on around you. Cause uh, you know, a lot of us, uh, I know that I've done this in the past where I have fallen into a pattern of letting my thoughts become negative. And to the point where I'm like, wait a second, this isn't a normal thought for me. What's, what's going on here. But it's just one of those things that has just jumped into rotation of, you know, Oh, it's, it's you know, I have a negative uh, appraisal of whatever that is. I have a negative appraisal, of whatever that is. Oh, great. The red light, you know, it's going to stop me from getting to this meeting on time, whatever it is. And if you take control of that stuff, And you notice it in yourself. Just start skewing your perceptions to be more positive, and look for the positive things that are associated with what's going on in your life. And then eventually, your brain will take over and start doing that stuff for you. And then you'll be out of that ditch, out of the nosedive, out of the you know minor league depression or whatever it is that you're having to deal with. And so that would be my my best advice moving forward. But just as a general, uh, you know, FYI, uh, whether i know you are not and i'm sure everybody else on this call probably feels the same way if you're listening and you you have absolutely no idea who we are from adam and we don't know who you are you're just picking this up uh for you know an interest listen know that there are people out there that you don't even know who love and care for you and wish you the best and wish you the highest level of happiness and you know to the point that you know a lot of us take some of our lives and we try to help other people get there so you know if this uh if we aren't the group for that find a group if you're out there lonely and whatnot and you're isolated and you're you know part of the three out of four people who are fe- feeling a little victimized of 2020 and COVID and all this other stuff find a little tribe find you know even if you can't inter- interface with them uh face to face every day Find some folks to listen to and interact with, and and get more active on you know some kind of reasonable social media that isn't going to berate you with stuff that's going to trigger you all the time. But uh, yeah, find some connections and and uh, have some laughs, or start a salon, which is what we did. So um, I actually would just want to punctuate
0: uh, a final comment uh, about about thoughts, uh, which as uh, just as COVID is contagious. Positive thoughts are also contagious. So to everybody listening, go out and be a super spreader (laughs) of good, you know, of good thoughts and good feelings, because they really are, you know, they, they spread, you know, and, and um, we are, you know, we're trying to do our part to surface these, you know, these ideas and insights. This has been, again, you know, a wonderful and inspiring conversation. You know, I'm Ed McGuire, Julie Albright, Brian Hayashi with Margarita Kachian and Sean Webb. Thank you again for listening to Reset Salon. If you're, if you're listening to this on, uh, on a podcast service, please, uh, please show us some love too. We love happy reviews and tell your friends as well, so that we can create the concentric circles of goodness uh, uh, as, as these ideas spread. So thanks everybody, and we'll, we'll catch you on the next one.